Welcome to the Dead Format. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Debt Hawk Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. I was trying to figure out where that intro was coming from, and I just realized what I had posted in that group chat that we're in. <laughs> we can we can skirt this one if you prefer. We don't really need to talk about this on the cast. Not not gonna go to to Ron Paul levels at this moment. <sighs> Fair enough. That's probably smart on the eve of the uh, election. We'll, we'll keep it clean. Audit audit the reserve list. <laughs> We're going to have our chance soon, man. We got this debate coming up, quickly approaching in about 48 hours. I can't wait. We have Pat and Jerry from Leaving a Legacy coming on to debate us. And Nate from Eternal Dirtles is going to moderate. I hope this doesn't turn into an absolute shit show but it very well could i i'm worried about jerry just <laughs> spouting out at the mouth and patrick trying to push his plan for repealing the reserve list and if you haven't heard it you're lucky yeah this could definitely get messy i'm glad we have a uh, trained pro we have uh nate working as a moderator so hopefully that keep keeps us on the right track i really hope so so yeah we want to talk about eternal weekend today obviously that was this past weekend i know i'm feeling a lot of regret i don't know about you but watching it this weekend i was like man what the fuck did i do honestly because it's not like we have these these grand prix these legacy format or eternal format grand prix coming up any big events really I probably should have planned better and gone to Eternal Weekend is how I feel right now. I had a good time enjoying the coverage from my nice and comfortable chair. I Obviously, I missed being able to play, but I, I don't think that I took it as hard as you did. If you could run it back, though, would you pick this over Montreal? Oh, of course. I had a really good time in Montreal, and I love traveling to Canada. Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, they're just all great places to travel to and obviously i would have rather i would have rather had gone to eternal weekend but the fact that it would have made me take another day off or a day off i can go to montreal without worrying about time off of work and probably adding a little bit to the cost of the trip because i don't think that i would have been able to drive i'm 100 percent okay at this point in my life with sitting out events like that yeah, for sure. It just hurt because it looked like a lot of fun, honestly. And I don't know when we're going to have a chance to play in the Legacy Grand Prix again because of the way the scheduling is right now. But we do have this Legacy uh, 2.5K to 5K coming up in like a week and a half or two weeks, I guess. Yeah, more like a week and a half, honestly. It's it's a week from Saturday. Yeah, November November 17th. I'm sort of at the point now where... I like these local events more 
you get to run them in one day. There's less travel time. You get to see all of your friends that you play Legacy with at your local events anyway. And there was a time in my life when I would be going to like multiple magic events a month. And it, I don't know, you just have to reevaluate your priorities every once in a while. Yeah, no doubt. So you said you watched some coverage. Did you watch just Legacy or did you watch Vintage too? Well, I saw that Rich was in the top eight of Vintage. So I turned, I turned on the coverage to watch him, to watch him in top eight. And I believe he got covered in two consecutive matches. I think he won his quarterfinals match against Matt Sperling and then lost the shop's mirror in the next round to the eventual loser of the finals. But two two back-to-back top eights or back-to-back top eights in vintage for, for Dr. Shea and a really solid performance in Legacy from, from the updates that he was giving out. So nice, nice job and congratulations to him. I didn't even realize he played Legacy. How, what deck did he play? Do you know? I believe he played Eldrazi Post, and I think that he was 8-3. and three. Oh, that's sweet, man. It was pretty cool how they did it this year where you could play in both events. Well, you could play in both events last year, too. But the great part about this event was they actually cut day one of Legacy at nine rounds, and they let everybody else come back for day two. So that whole 11 rounds of Legacy is much better when you can break it up and have a reasonable day, even with the delay that they had in the middle of it, and finish off your last two rounds on Sunday. Dude, I was wondering, did everyone get invited back for Sunday morning, or was it just like a like a Star City day two where there's a cutoff? No, they invited everybody back. Okay. So we didn't get deck lists, unfortunately, for the legacy portion people on the source thankfully i think it was bob actually started a thread that was like trying to figure out what the top 24 players were playing and it looks like we have 23 out of 24 entered here so it's cool we at least know the archetypes people were playing Uh, we got to see more of their decks if they were on coverage but it would be great if we had deck lists to be honest maybe that's probably too much to ask a card titan I don't want to dump on Card Titan <laughs> because they they did do some great things this weekend. From what I've heard, they had a fundraiser raffle for the victims of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting, and I think they raised over four thousand dollars. So they're doing great things with their position, and I hate to follow that up with, but they posted that they were going to have their legacy deck list up soon a day ago and we haven't seen anything so that's small compared to the real problems with life but if you're a big to running eternal weekend you have to do a little bit better of a job yeah so we had in the top 24 the most prevalent deck was grixis control if you include pile in that grixis control category there were four of them and then there were three very loosely defined miracles decks and then i believe only two of any other archetype so it really looked pretty diverse to me did you see anything that was missing from this top 24 
that might have played into some of these other decks coming up? I mean, the the glaring omission is Chalice of the Void in general. Well, I mean, there was a mud deck, right? Yeah, a mud deck in the top 24. But I thought the fact that Death Shadow just completely got pushed out led to some of these combo decks being able to come back a little bit. We hadn't seen Show and Tell do much at all since the actual bannings. And we had a Show and Tell deck finish ninth and second in the Swiss. I believe the Show and Tell player ended up losing in the semifinals. But this is the first we've seen from Show and Tell in, in quite a while. Yeah, there was a Sneak and Show deck in the top eight, and then there was a, a deck labeled Omni Sneak that I think was in ninth. Yes, and that was probably the the three of version. Yeah, I couldn't speculate, but it looks like there was one Grixis Delver, but the only other appearance for Delver in the top 24 were two blue-red Delver decks. And that's super unfortunate that we don't actually have access to the lists, so we can't commentate on the builds or what we like. I also really wanted to be able to see how people handled their sideboard regarding their graveyard hate because i think that was a big story coming into this and we did not see dredge finish i have no idea what the metagame breakdown was like and how many people chose to bring it but i did see that the miracles player who won the event had a tormod's crypt and that potentially could be a nod to dredge coming up yeah, there were no dredge decks, and there was one black-red reanimator deck. So that's what we saw for Graveyard in the winner's metagame. Make of that what you will, I guess. It's nice to see Depths make a little bit of a comeback, and I think that was probably the story of the tournament with those two decks finishing in the top eight. But we can't talk specifics because Card Titan hasn't released the lists, so maybe we can do a little bit of analysis on our cast next week but right now we can just sort of break down what the archetypes were. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't able to watch much of the coverage anyway. Uh, I ended up watching more of the Vintage, not that I planned on it, but Sean O'Brien was playing a pretty sick deck. I saw him tweet about earlier in the day, and I was sort of invested in that, so I was watching that. And Sperling's deck looked pretty sweet to me. You have this like very polar metagame with P.O. and Shops, and they both sort of attack those two directly as best you, you could, you know, nobody, I, I don't think anybody was really convinced that there was necessarily room for a third deck there or that you'd be giving up too much to survival and like dredge and other random matchups you might face. But it seemed like between those decks and like a Grixis thieves deck that top aided that maybe there was space for a, a mana drain deck and B a deck, like a predator deck. And it was really fun to watch those matches, to be honest, which is a lot more than I expected from Vintage this year and pleasantly surprising. Yeah, I only got to watch the section of Top 8 that I already talked about. I go through sort of a, a sad disconnect anytime I see power on screen because I don't have mine anymore. I watched, I watched Top 8 for Rich anyway. Speaking of power, there were 178 players, I believe, at the old school event on Sunday. The only one that, that I know who went out there, I believe, was our friend Tim. And I think he came in 11th with ATOGS. And I believe that I also saw someone post that they came in second with ATOGS. So ATOG fall continues, but 
it's pretty cool they got 178 people for old school it is dude it's it's so disappointing not to have these deck lists like it, it i know so empty right now it uh, so i got to i got to watch the legacy portion leading up to the end of the swiss and into the top eight where cyrus just absolutely crushed and ended up losing in the finals to a just bad sequence of events toward the end but a really unfortunate ad nauseum flip where his opponent he knew his opponent had a flusterstorm and on his opponent's turn two he led with a ponder before playing his land and Cyrus got to double ritual ad nauseum and didn't end up hitting a tutor. I believe he stopped his ad nauseum chain at five life and just wasn't able to string it together from there. Yeah, that sounds pretty brutal. I did watch rounds 10 and 11, I guess they were. One of them was Cyrus playing against the like Esper Miracles guy his deck was labeled. And that was a pretty sick match. And the other one, I believe, was that same guy playing against uh, Sneak and Show. So, yeah, that was all I saw, really, for coverage. And then I watched one of the Tusk guys playing Elves against that Sneak and Show guy in the top eight. So, Yep, I saw I saw that match, too. The um, Esper Miracles player that you're talking about was Daniel Miller. And he had a feature match against Infect on day one as well. And as I was watching that match, I was just thinking about how this Infect player has absolutely no idea what's going on because I believe the the game started with basic island ponder, basic swamp, baleful strix, and the infect opponent hadn't even seen white mana yet. Yeah, that's honestly pretty much that that does suck actually, but I think I'd rather be playing against Esper Miracles than Grixis, because that's what you gotta think you're playing against at that point, right? That's true. So yeah, I didn't see that match particularly, but that Esper deck did look interesting. I mean, it wasn't clear to me how far into Miracles he was necessarily. Like, I think he had Mentor in the deck, and he certainly had some number of counterbalances and Termini in the deck. I don't know, did you see anything more out of that? No, I heard coverage say that there was Vindicate. But I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure about the exact makeup of the deck. Very interesting to have a double black planeswalker in that deck along with back to basics and the mana base. Obviously, we haven't seen the list yet, but it's going to be interesting to really take a look at that if that list does come out to see how that was balanced with all of those casting costs. Yeah, I didn't know about the uh, back to basics. I did know about the beta underground C or possibly alpha actually. That was pretty sick. I think that I always just assume that they're foreign black bordered every time I see them on coverage. Nah, dude, that was 100% alpha or beta, I guess, but it looked alpha to me. So that was pretty pimp. It's interesting to see blue-red placed twice. It seemed varied. We saw the, the reemergence of combo with shadow or the Delver variant sort of on the downswing. And this is really the fewest delver of secrets that we've seen in a big event in a really really long time looking at these top 24 decks the archetypes it tells this story where like death shadow got held down by plow decks because you see there's three miracles decks a blue white stone blade deck and a maverick deck all hanging around here 
where there's not many, you know, any shadow decks. And then on top of that, you have the decks that give those fits. You have Grixis Control. So it kind of tells this neat story of what happened. Without the list, you can't really be sure about anything. But it does look like, like Delver really got preyed upon in this event. Yeah, with how prevalent Baleful Strix is, you, you really have to have a good reason to sleeve up Delver going into a field like that. Yeah, I've been thinking hard about this this leaving a legacy tournament that's coming up, but like it's actually on the horizon now. And I was planning on just playing Noble Rug, and we're actually both uh, spell slinging or whatever it's called, where they're going to give us packs to give to people if they beat us. And I was just going to play Noble Rug, but that deck that you highlighted last week, like the Noble Bug deck, I've been actually thinking about that too, because I'm not sure that that lightning bolt is really the card that you want right now. I think it might be Thoughtseize again. Yeah, if we're taking a look at the results of Eternal Weekend and trying to apply that to what we're going to see in a few weeks, I mean, Bolt isn't very good against seven of the top eight decks. Exactly. And if you look at the top 24, it's it's probably good against 25% of them. So I like Thoughtseize a lot right now. I feel like you have to make sure that you can pair Thoughtseize with a coherent shell, and Delver doesn't really seem like the best place to be with all of the Strix running around. So Thoughtseize, great. Delver, not so much. And that kind of puts you in that in that four-color control or Grixis control lane. If you're going to play Thoughtseize and you're not going to play Delver then you might as well run that sort of good stuff pile. Yeah, I'm not willing to go that far. I think that I, I do see where you're coming from with those points, but I think that there is space for a, like a four true name deck, a version of the Delver deck in bug colors, that if I were being pulled into red right now at all, I honestly don't think it would be for Colgon's Command. I think it's just for the Pyroblasts and the Cyborg. So I'm wondering if there's a space for like a uh, a lower to the ground deck than that Grixis Control slash Pile deck. Something I'm going to be testing online this week, so I guess I'll keep people updated on where that is. Yeah, I got to play a little bit this weekend. Friday I was watching the Paragon City Legacy stream, and there was a conversation going on in chat where somebody had had mentioned what what decks they thought were going to pop up at eternal weekend and i mentioned dredge and the two commentators were like no it's not it's not going to show up people are ready for it and in my experience with seeing the lists that were being published and i i thought that we were going to see it here but when they were like no 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 you don't know what you're talking about i immediately rented the deck and hopped on magic online because i had been I, I had had a few that night, and in my head I was like, listen, you motherfuckers, I'm going to show you what Dredge can do. And immediately 4-0 to League, not losing a game, and then got my ass handed to me by the Tin Fins Depths deck in my in my fifth matchup, and ended up finishing 4-1. and one. That's brutal, man. It happens. But it was just, it was great. My round one opponent thought seized me and conceded game one. And it just continued to be great from there on. 
Yeah, so you told me your average game time was something like two minutes. Average game time was two minutes. My first four rounds were over in like five. The most turns I played was against Jeskai Delverblade. And he made it a few turns by, by chump blocking with three consecutive Delver of Secrets. Nice. Did you happen to catch where Ole Rade was on that first page? I did not. Was he the trophy leader? He was when I was playing, yeah. Which says says uh, blue-red is probably trending up. We've been seeing it quite a bit. Yeah, I was happy to see that. And I don't think any of his lists have been published recently, so I'm, I'm curious to see what he's doing, like what direction he's going, because... He was heavy on Storm Chaser for a while, and I don't. I'm not sure that I've seen a list from him post probe restriction or banning, rather. Well, you know what? We have this leaving a legacy tournament coming up, right? And we're the bounties. I feel like I feel like you're priced into playing blue red with risk factor. I wouldn't play blue red in paper if my fucking life depended on it, bro. Now, why not? You've been kind of high on that deck. Absolutely. It's it's a good deck to play online. I think it's a good deck in theory. I just don't get to play Paper Magic enough, and I don't enjoy playing Blue-Red in Paper. So, like, I, it's going to sound stupid, right? But I want to play the deck that I enjoy playing. And for me, that's going to be casting Noble Hierarch. Doesn't, doesn't winning trump that, though? Like, I completely understand what you're trying to say, but if I thought Burn was the best position deck, I would throw Chain Lightnings at people's faces, only I would just remember that Chain Lightning is a sorcery. Much love, Pat. Have you ever seen, like, a a Downy commercial or, like, a... What's that detergent with the little bear? I think it's Downy. Yeah. He's all like soft and you fucking poke him and he, he goes, hoo <laughs> Well, I think that's the Pillsbury Doughboy, but I understand. Yeah, yeah, Yes, right. I understand the point you're making. That's me, dude. I'm, I'm fucking soft now. I've been playing too much old school. I'm thinking too much about like, I want to enjoy myself and do the things that I want to do and fuck all these meta decks or whatever. Like, I don't give a fuck about winning. To be, to be honest, like, inside of games... I absolutely want to tear your fucking throat out, but approaching games, like building decks, I, I've really found like in the past, I don't know, two, three months, maybe since the bannings, I guess, that I, I've really moved into this space where it's more like, I just want to be creating shit that I want to play and to try to find a spot because I feel like there's a, there are a lot of spots right now. The meta shifting in predictable ways. I've been thinking a lot about Invisible Stalker. I've been thinking a lot about Thought Scour. There's just cards that interest me a lot, and I want to build around those. And I, I definitely don't want to just play some stock deck at this tournament. All right, so we're going to come back to the fact that you just said Invisible Stalker, but are you going to sit down at the tournament against somebody like playing a stock AK Miracles list and in the back of your head have that like old man curmudgeonly voice saying like filthy net decker is that you now have you hit that point no i'm gonna let them cast their ak and then i'm gonna cast my own ak and draw two and just rub their face in the fucking dirt and then they they cast theirs and draw three fluster storm okay all right tell me more tell me more about this invisible stalker i haven't 
Yeah, I need to hear this. It started in the Infect, or was it Infect? Oh, I don't know. No, Some don't Discord. Fucking tell me. Some the, Discord. The Infect Discord with the sideboard guide, where you swap in your invisible stalkers and true names. Please don't tell me this is what we're where we're going. No, somebody asked us, like tagged you and I in a post asking if they should play Infect at Eternal Weekend. Oh, okay. No, I don't remember this, but it probably happened. Yeah, I don't know where it was, like on Twitter or Discord or some shit, but it was a few days ago. Asking us, you know, should we play Infect? We've gotten that question a lot. There's there's like a fucking hundred Infect players hidden out there. Like, I, I had no idea how deep the Infect world was until we did a podcast on it, but... Yeah, well, we had we had a pretty good cast on Infect. I thought I thought that was a good that was a good podcast. We were on it for a few weeks, but anyway, it got me thinking about like for a while we felt like Death Shadow was the better Infect deck, and I certainly didn't feel that way for very long. But I think it was true for a short period of time. And now, like, what's the best Infect deck? And I think it it might just be an Invisible Stalker True Name deck. And I, I've been struggling really if this should be a Bant deck or a Rug deck. I've got a bunch of a bunch of lists sketched out. Whether it's like a, a Stoneforge equipment based Bant deck, or just a Rug shell with Invisible Stalkers instead of Delvers, it's something that I'm going to be playing with this week as well as the uh, the Noble Bug deck. So yeah, if you want some free packs, hope to get paired against me. I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm speechless, bro. I got I got nothing, man. This might be this this might be awful to tell you. This is okay. This is this is a deep dive, and I'm just throwing this out there to our listeners. Probably quite a stretch. Yeah, invisible invisible stalker. Maybe Bant. You want to play Bant hexproof? Bant hexproof and just get blown out by terminus. Let's just pretend that terminus isn't a card, and just play. Some some bogles and a bunch of enchantments. So you'd have like one bogle and like a strangle root geist because you have like two green sun zeniths to get them. But really the only enchantments you're playing are rancors and then maybe like a, a miser's become immense because you're not delving otherwise. I think I think you probably want some number of curiosity. Some sort of effect like that. It's possible. I was looking at Unstable Mutation and Curiosity and trying to figure out which of those two would be better. I'm not sure that I can clock people fast enough for Unstable Mutation, so... Yeah, I, I that wouldn't be my first place to go. I don't know if I would go with Strangle Root Geist either, given that Undying doesn't really care about Swords to Plowshares. But, yeah, I mean, we can talk about this all you want to. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to give it my full stamp of approval. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of uh, burn and blue-red sort of strategies at this event. They've always been there. I think that they're good right now. So that incentivizes people to bring them. And I just want to cast like a, a turn two true name or invisible stalker into a turn three unflinching courage against burn. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was good in the standard format that had terminus yes yes it was you're absolutely right uh and those those cards are very good against burn but i i don't know 
there there was that 5-0 list from last week that had the four Eidolon and two Pyrostatic Pillar. If people are trying to play a long, grindy game against you with Miracles and Grixis, just burn them out. I mean, obviously, the top eight that we saw at Eternal Weekend with Depths and Sneak and Show, that's, that's not going your way in that matchup. But I feel like if people stay with their fair, grindy decks, it's a very fine option to be able to bring. Yeah. Wait, which deck is this? Burn. I mean, I would I would rather oh. play I would rather play Burn than any deck that is going to register Invisible Stalker. Just just as a blanket statement. So, you're going to play Burn at this event? I mean, it it is on my list of things that I'm considering. What else is on that list? Eldrazi and Dredge are my top 3. But I I told myself if I looked at the top eight of Eternal Weekend and I didn't see a shift toward more permanent graveyard hate, then I was just going to play Dredge. Like, my experience in playing it online and in paper way back in the day, it was one of the first legacy decks that I ever had, just lead me to have a ton of fun playing it. It's a great change of pace because it plays so much different than any other deck in Magic. And my actual first legacy deck was Burn, and man, it feels good just throwing bolts at people, especially when you know that they're on such a slow game plan, that every bolt that you sling at them has a little bit of extra dagger because they know that they're just going to eventually die. Now, obviously, you can just get absolutely clowned by a fast combo, and there's nothing you can do about it, which is why I'm like, sort of not seriously considering it but i have a new version built i have it put together it's not something that i feel like i would be stooping to bring to an event if i felt like it was the best deck to bring i would 100 percent bring it yeah see the place where i'm at right now you talk about playing burn like if i were gonna play burn i would play blue red if i were gonna play eldrazi post that you mentioned i would play either steel stompy or like that march of the machines that what's the saga called antiquities war deck yep i just feel like uh i don't know man i'm, I'm i just want to feel something i guess well hopefully you can find that deck that's gonna that's gonna break you out of your eat pray love middle age crisis <laughs> what the fuck i like i feel like you're just like sort of <laughs> you're you're going through that journey to find yourself depression or like jadedness so my downtown abby co-host just accused me of being postmenopausal. just one 100 it's doubting abby and our first patron post from our patreon do you want to read what it was i can't log into our patreon so i i can't read it oh shit that's right all right well i'm gonna let you know it's from Corey roth and Corey said just wanted to confirm that Doubt Nabby is the shit. There we go. He also wanted to know if Adrian is still trying to put Tin Fins back together. Adrian wants to play Merfolk at the uh, Star City in January. That's modern, right? Uh, there's a Legacy Classic. Oh, okay. So he wants to play Fish in Legacy. Okay. Yeah, he uh, was talking to me about Aether Vials, and that seems to be his plan right now. 
he's very particular about his sources for cards. He doesn't borrow cards and he likes to like buy locally. So I think he's probably fishing through some, uh, some bulk bins in the lower Western mass area at this, this very moment. Good for him. Finding some Lords of Atlantis. But yes, I, I did 100% accuse you of going through a wandering phase. I think you kind of summed up that storyline very nicely with your description of of how you were feeling. Do you want to talk about that more? About my feelings now? Yeah, how, like, how, how is everything going? I, I gotta be honest, man. I'm gonna feel a lot better on Wednesday, and we're just all having fun in, like, a reserve list debate world where nothing's serious anymore. You you mentioned uh, when we were coming into the cast that you wanted to talk about the Patreon, that we had some some new people sign up. I'm actually, oh, I, I'm as curious as anyone to hear who these people are. All right, so we had announced that we set up the Patreon last week, and I, 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 uh, I'm stumbling over my words now, because I didn't, I didn't expect anything close to what happened. And we had quite a few people sign up and I was just blown away by the generosity and support that, that everybody showed us. We're almost to our second goal. We're going to be looking for a graphic designer to do some logo stuff. And we have some pretty good ideas for, for things that we're going to be offering. But here are the amazing people that decided to support us. And we are so thankful I'm going to leave the first one on the list for last, and I'll tell a little story about it. But we had Chris Anderson, Chris Bushina, Christopher Semish. I really hope I said that his, his last name right. I know he's local, but I'm terrible at pronouncing people's last names, as we'll see and, as we and go through first this names. list. And first names. You call me Ann half the time. Well, okay. So I it's Ian. Okay, so I said your name right. Sometimes you know this. Sometimes we drink a little bit too much on this cast, and I try to say that, and it comes out Ian. Now <laughs> I should have called you Ian when you were delivering that speech about you know in, at this point in my life I really <laughs> I really don't want to play mirror. I just want to show up, and that's when I should call you Ian. But yes, I know I know what your name is. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Corey Roth, who was another Downton Abbey fan, shout out, shout out to him. George Wall, and J. Brian Anderson, who is um, I'm not sure what, like what his official role is, but I know he's connected to Paragon City Games, and they do a ton of of great legacy streams, and I believe they're in Utah. I don't know if he's a store owner or partner or what what the deal is, but shout out shout out to him and shout out to that store. Matt Hackbert, my friend Matt Brusso, who is actually coming over to test some legacy this weekend because he started out listening to our cast and now is hooked on legacy without ever really playing it. Like he has a he has a vintage cube that we end up drafting quite a bit. But he's he's looking to get into legacy, and he might be at the LOL event, so so that's gonna be fun. We mentioned Michael Hilton last week, but Michael also reached out to us and wanted to touch base regarding the charity event that we were doing for the fundraising for a family. 
that we're going to talk more with Pat and Jerry about when we record the second part of the reserve list episode. And we're going to do that on Wednesday, I think. That's the yeah. that's the plan right now. And Kevin. We had Kevin sign up. And I can't find Kevin's last name. It's just not... It's just not here. So there is a Kevin who is awesome. And I'm just going to give you that shout out because I have no idea what your last name is. Yeah, you said that you were uh, speechless looking at the uh, the traction that we got. And honestly, I would I would double that, man. I, it it kind of blew me away. I wasn't really sold on starting it in the first place. And it's really been like unbelievable to me i'm definitely narcissistic enough that i would do this podcast for free forever just to hear my own voice i'm sometimes late to work because i like catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and can't look away (laughs) so (laughs) so you know it's not about that at all it's just about what we can do for the cast for making up like the, the costs that we have and hopefully helping people out like with this with this charity drive that we're talking about doing Actually, one of the uh, the Patreon goals that we talked about is Tom actually might make an ASMR video where he's flipping through his trade binders and just uh, gently reading the names of all the cards, whispering into the camera. So that's something you guys can look forward to. Anything is, else? Is that a thing? Well, we still have more people. I wasn't done with that list. Oh, shit. My bad. Yeah. So one with nothing who is a player who I originally met in the Community Legacy League, where I like really started to, to play Magic Online, joined our Patreon. Steven Long and Tom Carnes, uh, who actually signed up last week, but we, we wanted to give him another shout-out. It's just outstanding, the just sheer amount of support we got in a week, and we thank everybody. One of the reward tiers that we have is we're going to be recording like short segments that some of our Patreons come up with. So I can't wait to start producing those and put a little bit more production value into our cast. We've done, I don't know, I don't want to like toot our own horn, but we've done a really good job improving from where we're at from our first episode to now. I know today we talked about Downton Abbey and menopause and eat pray love so we might we might kind of be falling off the rails when it comes to the content but at least our audio quality is is a little bit better yeah no doubt man and that's that's a lot of that is you honestly so thank you for doing that oh thank thank you for the thank you you're supposed to say you're welcome no you say no problem you're welcome is for old people no no problem that's that's what our generation says, right? I'm not going to comment as to whether we're in the same generation or not. but Oh, I'm old as fuck, aren't I? <laughs> uh. I, I honestly have no idea how old you are. It came up in a uh, a chat earlier this week, and I, I was like, your guess is as good as mine, person who I was talking to who I'm not going to reveal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> so if you want to check out our Patreon, you can check it out at patreon.com slash the dead format. Sweet. And uh, yeah, that's, is that it for this week? Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Well, yeah, there was one more thing that 
I completely dropped the ball on. I think it was about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago. We talked about a Queen Marchesa deck on the cast. And I think it was right before Montreal. Because this is where I sort of dropped the ball. We recorded the cast. We talked about the deck. And the creator of the deck is Connor Foles. I think that's how you say his last name. But I had a message from him. And I knew that I had a few questions that I wanted to ask him. And I told him that. And I told him I'd get back to him after Montreal. And then the message sort of got lost in the the Facebook void of all of the chats that I'm in. And I didn't actually get around to asking those questions until earlier this week. He actually recorded a stream with Phil Gallagher, the Death and Taxes guy, where they played the deck. And I just wanted to run through what he had said. I think on the cast we were trying to figure out whether or not the deck was constructed in a way to target miracles and Grixis control. And he said that it was more of a brew that just sort of came about as wanting to play a similar game to aggro loam without the same cards. So it wasn't specifically targeted towards Grixis control and miracles, but it was really like a side project that started with four color loam. And he said that it beats decks that are sort of at the top of last week's meta where we're talking about the control decks and and sort of the grindier decks the worst matchup he said is definitely storm and just combo in general so maybe maybe this week's shift pushes that deck out a little bit but he was very kind in answering my questions and i I wanted to give him a big thank you for taking the time to get back to me. Yeah, I think it would be really cool if he's listening to send us an updated list, see where where he's at, because I'm trying to remember, I think this was like a four young Pyromancer build, right? Maybe. I know I, t- I talked to someone, I talked to two people about Mardu builds in the like the last month, and I think this was the one with four Pyromancers, and I was just trying to figure out if it was basically the best version of some deck, or not just like a worse version of like Jund or something. And yeah, I'd be interested to see how he's doing with that deck at this point in time. Because it's definitely something that I think about once in a while, like, you know, four Pyromancers and two Mentors. Like, what's the what's the best build there right now? So I don't believe it had Pyromancer. I think it was Stoneforge, Confidant, Mentor, and Marchesa. Because Mengucci did a stream with a very similar deck. I don't know if it was exactly card for card, but it was very close. And that, um, and that yeah. video is up on Channel Fireball. I remember now. Yeah, that was a different deck. So, gotcha. Should we talk about this Ultimate Masters? Oh, fucking dude. So, I don't really know much about this, but I saw someone on Twitter say, okay, it's actually happened. Wizards actually put $100 bills in the boxes and people are actually complaining about it. And I just wanted to jump through my fucking laptop (laughs) and strangle that motherfucker. Did you see what the MSRP was? It's like $330 or something, right? No. Okay, so the the box MSRP was like $350. But they're doing the three blister pack thing. Probably so they can sell it in like the big box stores like they've been doing. 
for for thirty five dollars. Yeah, so it's just like any other master set with a hundred dollar bill on top that you're paying for. It's more than ten dollars a pack. Yeah, but if it were to be distributed over all the packs in the box, wouldn't that be like thirteen or fourteen dollars per pack? With the new MSRP? Yeah. Yes, which is more than the old ones. Right, but that's less than the blister packs are selling for. That's like eleven fifty a pack. So like if the blister packs are thirty five dollars, right? Yeah. And you need to buy eight of them to assemble a box worth of packs. Yep. You're talking about two hundred and eighty dollars. Yes. So if a box is three hundred and forty dollars or whatever, you're paying for that that fucking pack. Yes, you are. So it's not a bonus. You're absolutely right. So it's not like they're putting something in the fucking box that we're complaining about. Like it's there's something that you have to pay for to get. You know what I mean? It, it's it's so fucking ridiculous to say, oh, they put a hundred dollar bill in there and people are complaining about it. Man, that's that's quite a bit of a jump up from the pricing that they were at before. Yeah, this is something that we talked about with our Swedish buddy, uh, the economist, who's been emailing us, where we we talked about magic as a pyramid, right? Where standards at the bottom and moderns in the middle. And when the first Modern Masters came out, and to a lesser degree, the second Modern Masters came out, there were people wanting to get into modern who were standard players, limited players, and... As that supply hit the market, the demand also increased because there were a ton of standard players at that point in time, like that Ravnica Innistrad standard point in time when the first Matter Masters hit. And that that's not, I don't believe that that's there anymore. So I think that a lot of people are in our boat where you already own the cards. If you were going to play Modern, you either own the cards already or are in some other deck where you could just trade your cards for those cards or you know somebody who has those cards. I don't feel like there's that demand there right now. And I feel like people are blaming Wizards of the Coast, like the price point or, I don't know, sort of misdirecting their hatred when it's actually just this market phenomenon of there not actually being a demand for this product right now. It's going to be really interesting to see how many people pony up the $350 for a box and end up cracking open their kitchen finks or their lava claw reaches and just being absolutely devastated. I didn't even know that that those were expeditions, but yeah, well, so they, they released the, basically the box topper card. Oh they, yeah, no, I saw Engineered Explosives, I saw Liliana, I saw Tarmogoyf, but Yeah, there are some there are some outstanding ones, and then there are some trash ones. Like if you're gonna charge this much for a product and you're guaranteeing that one of these cards comes in the box, maybe maybe you don't have to make those duds one of the special cards that you are printing. I, I feel like I feel like this is definitely gonna tie in to our reserve list conversation that we're going to end up having on Wednesday. I'm definitely not going to buy any of this for what it's worth. Like, why would I, you know? The extended art or whatever, I could just get my cards altered if I was into that. I'm not, so. Yeah, I think it depends on the foiling. If you spent that much money and you get it home and you're 
your cars are already tented. They're going to have some huge problems on their hands. But man, that through the breach artwork is so fucking sick. Uh, yeah, it's a picture of Emrakul. Yeah. Dude, what the fuck is with that red shit at the top and bottom? That's like the lightning of the summoning portal. You see the people throwing up, throwing no, up there. motherfucker, I'm talking about the red around through the breach. It looks oh, that's like... the card border. Yeah, that looks like trash. It does, especially with the coloring on the artwork. But it's that like that awful. for all of them. Oh my god, dude. It should be purple. If it had like a purple and bluish border, like the border of the card matched the artwork, then it would be great. But That looks like an incomplete altar. Uh, it does. Fuck. So, yeah, that's, that's rough. And you said that these are going to be foil? Yeah, I believe, I believe all of the box top cards are foil. So... Another part, I guess, of of this menopausal phase I find myself in is just not wanting to fuck with anything foil anymore. Like, I just want to get rid of this shit as fast as possible as it's curling up in my binders and bags. I just don't want to touch anything foil, so that's another reason to stay away from this shit. Yeah, I, I played in Grand Prix Hartford last spring, and I was really hunting for a card on site. The only ones I could find were foil. And they've just been sitting in my deck box. I've played, like, two modern events since then. And I have to, like, bend them back between every match because they're they're just starting to be garbage. Bro, I have 80 basic lands that I had for my cube that are uh, Lorwyn block foil basics. Yep. That were curled at, like, a pretty extreme like a 30 degree angle i would say they're basically they could hold a small bowl of captain crunch or something and i was reading online someone said to put them in an oven at 115 degrees for like five minutes so i did it did it melt them no no did it actually work no no it didn't work when i took oh no it kind of worked they were flat like i was looking i turned the light on in my oven and I could see them flattening out. So I was like, yes, this is sick. So I open up the oven, put on my little oven mitt, take them out, and leave them there to cool. Yep. <laughs> and the cooling process, they ended up completely turning into tacos. So that <laughs> they're now bent fully into circles. Like I could wear them like rings on my finger if I wanted to. So that clearly didn't fucking work. Don't try that, anyone. <laughs> Don't listen to that advice. The and also like the the art of the card separated from the back of the card. So now the front of the card is noticeably smaller than the back of the card. <laughs> Somebody probably just posted that on Reddit, thinking that people were gonna go try it and they would just ruin a bunch of dollars in making that post. Yeah, well, that was genius of them. Then I gotta give it up because. I, they just completely ruined 80 more Larwin basics, so. Wow. Respect. So, yeah, we don't have anything else, maybe? I don't. I think that I covered everything that I wanted to talk about today. And also, actually, there's one more, one more Patreon that I forgot to shout out. My wife Alyssa joined, and when I got the notification that she signed up for it, I was so worried 
that she signed up for the tier where you get to produce a segment. And I thought that I was going to have to have her on the cast to where she would be able to just absolutely dump on me on all of the chores around the house that I might not have been doing as regularly as I should because we're recording this podcast. But I uh, I did want to say thank you to her because I wouldn't be able to do this without her. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate that, too. So, so you guys might have noticed, like, in my if we're friends on Facebook or whatever, in my in my picture, it's me and my brother and my cousin when we were young. And my cousin passed away last year. Uh, he was one of the first people I played Magic with back when I was young. And uh, today would have been his 30th birthday. So I just wanted to say rest in peace, Nick, and I'm thinking about you. Oh, man. I did. I had seen that picture on Facebook. I didn't know the context. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry that that happened to you. It's dude. It, I, I'm totally. It's okay. But I. I just don't know if I want to leave that in there. And I just felt it at this moment. So. Yeah. You. You leave that in. You. If you. If you want to. I'm definitely not going to cut that. If you want to leave that in. And I'm definitely not going to cut into. And if you really like Ian opening up about his emotions, you can check out our Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com slash the dead format. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so if people want to get in touch with you about future ASMR videos you may be producing, how should they do that? You can get in touch with me at. Uh, I I can't I can't do that voice. Come on, bro! I almost got the tingles. You got to keep going. Ah, I can't I can't do it. You can get in touch with me at T Smiley MTG on Twitter. And what about you? At Ian eighteen one twenty five on Twitter. Go BC football. Yo, if you had told me going into the second week of November that BC would be one of the 12 teams that wasn't statistically eliminated from CFP, the college football playoff. Formula, yep. Yep. Fucking sign me up, bro. We're fucking in it to win it. Clemson this weekend, I'm going. Can't fucking win. I have a blast. I uh, I kind of wanted to go back to the cast that we did at the beginning of the football season where you were pumped about your Jets and... I think the exact quote was Sam Darnold, bro. It is what it is. He looked fucking awful yesterday. If anybody saw it, I'm sure Adam saw it. But uh, what do we got? Two weeks until we face off. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I take it one week at a time. <laughs> okay, <guys>. <laughs> We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. But yeah, I just I wanted to get that rub in. Wanted to get that rub in, especially with the Patriots turning it on. Press F to pay respects. Yep. Deadformatcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. That's that's all I got. I think it's a wrap. What was that supposed to be? <laughs> Fuck you. No, I have no idea what that was actually supposed that to was, be. That was our music, bro. Yeah.